Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. All right. This is episode number 66. 66. And I figured, because I got such a great response from our last episode, that we would make this a part two of 65, Mm -hmm. which was all about the elections in our country and conspiracy theories. The illusion illusion of freedom. The illusion of freedom and whatnot. Um, And then I figured we would dive into, let me pull up my stuff here for a second. Um, yeah, part two of elections. I'm going to talk about Ticketmaster, which is this company where you get like your concert tickets from. We're going to talk about Bill and Melinda Gates. We're going to talk about this vaccine from Pfizer. Are you okay over there? Yeah, there's something that's water floating around. Oh. Trying to figure out what it is. It's probably fluoride. No, it's definitely not because <laughs> it's from the water we order. Um, we'll talk about lockdowns in Chicago and the UK. We'll talk about dehumanizing people, luxury, our media. And we're going to talk about Bill Mayer as well. We have a lot on the agenda today. All right, kick us off. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to read you something as we start off from a post that I read and that I fact-checked afterwards. Um, so to keep the theme going, we basically said, if you haven't listened to episode 65, it would help if you did. But if you didn't, Brian and I didn't really have... We, without getting too political we don't agree with the elections and I I don't even feel as though the election results were real. I think there, I think there's a lot of voter fraud going on. I think there's something underneath the whole, you know, picture that we can't really see. I also think that the media kind of railroaded everything and kind of just put it towards Biden. Along with that, there's just a lot of events leading up to the election that make us feel that way. And we discussed all of that last week. And after we recorded last week, I was obviously doing a way more research about everything and I started to um, read that there's an account called Freedom Faction. Freedom underscore faction on Instagram. I love this account. I have yet to find a post that wasn't fact-checked with them. And they have several accounts with like little um, twitches and like their username because they keep getting shut down by Instagram. Um, but this particular one I did check. It is real. Um, it was on Lou Dobbs. Every time I look at, I've been looking at Freedom Faction for a while, and every time I see one of their posts, yeah. I'll always go and do independent research and fact check it myself to like pull from the different articles that were presented and things like that to ensure that I think it's accurate. And I've never once found something that I thought was inaccurate. Correct. Know, they're pretty. They're pretty good at their their own validation before they start publishing these things. Correct. And. I understand that some of the comments that Brian and I made, although it is our opinion and, and we we openly, you know, vocalize our opinion, but we also welcome other people to say the same thing. You know, like it's, it's this is like a it's just a discussion. This podcast is not to sway people one way or another. It's just a discussion and like a debate to have. And it's funny because this post kind of solidified what we said. However, it was done by an individual that was kind of high up in our um quote-unquote society you could say like I would never expect somebody in the religious realm to come out and speak the way that he did in this and let me pull it up here for a second so this guy's name is Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano and I'm probably butchering that he wrote a letter to President Trump 
And everything that he wrote in the letter kind of solidified what Brian and I were saying all this time was we do feel that this, um, you know, Biden winning and Biden standing for vaccination and mandatory lockdowns and mandatory masks and all this stuff. And then you have Bill Gates and Melinda pumping money into things like trying to get vaccines out, trying to instill fear in people with this virus. Just oh, like just very disproportionate facts and scientific evidence. It's just weird how it's all happening. Then the Black Lives Matter movement. And then in the middle of a pandemic, I just refuse to believe that we are hating on one another. I feel as though it is the political parties who are focusing on that and putting it in our minds and causing a ruckus, a divide between us people. So we vote one way or another. So we went into all of that, but this is what the letter says. It says, Dear Mr. President, allow me to address you at this hour in which the fate of the whole world is being threatened by a global conspiracy against God and humanity. I write to you as an archbishop, as a successor of the apostles, as the former apocalypse apostolic to the United States of America. I'm writing to you in the midst of the silence of both civil and religious authorities. May you accept these words of mine as the voice of the one crying out in the desert. As I said when I wrote my letter to you in June, this historical moment sees the forces of evil aligned in a battle without quarter against the forces of good. Forces of evil that appear powerful and organized as they oppose the children of light who are disoriented and disorganized, abandoned by their temporal and spiritual leaders. Daily, we sense the attacks multiplying of those who want to destroy the very basis of society, the natural family, respect for human life, love of country, freedom of education and business. We see heads of nations and religious leaders pandering to the suicide of Western culture and its Christian soul. While the fundamental rights of citizens and believers are denied in the name of a health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as the instrumental to the establishment of an inhuman, faceless tyranny. A global plan called the Great Reset is underway. Its architect is a global elite that wants to subdue all of humanity, imposing coercive measures with which to drastically limit individual freedoms and those of entire populations. In several nations, this plan has already been approved and financed. In others, it is still in an early stage. Behind the world leaders, who are the accomplices and executors of this infernal project, there are unscrupulous characters who finance the World Economic Forum and Event 201, promoting their agenda. The purpose of the Great Reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of liber, don't know this word, liberticidal measures hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and canceling individual debt. The price of these concessions from the International Monetary Fund will be the renunciation of private property and adherence to a program of vaccination against COVID-19 and COVID-21 promoted by Bill Gates with the collaboration of the main pharmaceutical groups. Behind the enormous economic interests that motivate the promoters of the Great Reset, the imposition of the vaccination will be accompanied by the requirement of a health passport and a digital ID with the consequent contact tracing of the population of the entire world. Those who do not accept these measures will be confined in detention camps or placed under house arrest and all their assets will be confiscated. I believe this is a little bit more. Until this might be more, I'm not sure. Let me see. It's all good. Oh, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, but I, it's, it's like really long and I don't even want to read yeah, it. Yeah, don't but, worry. That's good. Yeah, that's but good he enough. goes full on into like the psychological consequences if we don't get vaccinated. Basically, this underlying plan that they have in order to not just divide and conquer us, but instill fear in us and make us all just kind of subdued to like one world order. Well, well something you just mentioned, I think is interesting is the 
I, I just read last week that Eventbrite, right? No, no, I'm sorry, not Eventbrite, Ticketmaster, right? Well, let's go back to this first. Like, for people who maybe didn't understand what was just said here, okay. he basically went on, this bishop, bishop basically asked President Trump to, like, defend our country against the Democratic Party in, in, in one way or another. That's what he was basically saying. And he said that there is an underlying power here that's, like, you know, the like scales of justice, quote unquote, are tipped and they're against Trump. But what Trump was trying to do is blow the lid off of all of these big companies and the taxes and the student loan debt. Then you have Biden who's actually saying, no, I'm not going to cancel student loan debt. Everyone's going to get vaccinated. Everyone has to wear a mask. Thanksgiving, only 10 people or less. And, and you have to wear a mask. And you have to wear a mask. There's just tons and tons of things that are racking up where it goes back to what Malcolm X said. He said the, what did he say? The, the white... The white democratic man who speaks for social injustice is like a fox. He's like, you can't tell if he's smiling or snaring at you. Like, you don't know what's happening. And I feel as though in this election, I'm sure it's happened before, it, it has, it has been so obvious and apparent that they used our emotions. They elicited our emotions out of us by showing us in the media you know, fabricated things on purpose to elicit emotions out of us in order to sway us and make an emotional decision when it comes to this presidency. Now, again, on the back end, I don't know the votes. I didn't count them, so I have no idea. But do I firmly in my heart believe that there was some sort of fraud going on? Yeah. Do I think the Democratic Party has been paying these media news outlets and these people on the streets and protesters and rioters and just fabricating things and showing it to us in a certain way? 100%. But get this. Brian and I, from March and April when COVID first started, you and I have said from the very beginning, this is all because they want to force a vaccine on us. This is all because of that. No, I think it's way more than that. But no, no, I, no. that's a part of but it. That's a part of it. But that is the reason they're doing that underlyingly is so that they can control us and say, if you don't get this vaccine, you can't travel. You can't own property. You can't get this. They're going to shut yeah, your rights down. I, I agree. It, it's more as opposed to being so specific on that one point. I think it's the overarching thing is a control mechanism. Agreed. Um, the vaccination stuff is part of it. Um, it's also a dramatic increase in surveillance, and now people feel comfortable with it. It's also to condition people to say it's okay for military and police to be walking through the streets Correct. to say, get inside your yeah. house. It's okay to force it, you to wear a mask. It's okay to force you to wear a mask. It's okay to say, this stay is home. what you have to do with your body. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's to condition you to stay inside watching TV so that you can only have a point of view based on what is being fed to you. And for anybody that doesn't have an understanding of how the media manufactures information or manipulates it, you at the media companies at the very top level of the pyramid are owned by just a very small few organizations, like a handful, right? So the, the people at the very top are able to control the narrative on what's being said. And if you want an example of this, you can go YouTube um, examples of in the middle of the pandemic where 50 news stations across the country, if not more than that, we're saying the exact same thing on the exact same days. And I don't mean they're talking about the same kind of thing. I mean literally verbatim, word for word, they're reading a script identical for things that are going on with the pandemic and the and we're in crisis mode, it's a fear, this and that. Like They weren't even having their own independent thought for what they were saying. They're reading off a teleprompter for something that was constructed at the top of the media pyramid, funneled down to the smaller news station spread across the country, and verbatim, word for word, are reading a script. So th this information can be manufactured and controlled very easily. And so the overarching thing, I think, with all that being said is, 
it has allowed for an acceleration of control to take place. And not only is the control taking place, they're conditioning people to be okay with it. And that's the biggest issue. Correct. They have to ease you into everything slowly. Yeah. Now, it's if called you wanna, the totalitarian tiptoe. If you want to look at the, in the backstory of the history of this, why are we the only country that has the most obnoxious health insurance plans that makes us dependent on working for the system so that we can afford $800 a month in health insurance that we have to use, which is the health insurance the doctors don't even cure us? Like, it's just a system. We're also one of the few countries who have car insurance, home insurance, this insurance. We pay to breathe, basically. And to not, you know, I know not a lot of people like him, but I love him and I think he's great. At the Joe Rogan and Kanye interview, Kanye goes, we're in so much debt, so much debt, right? And he was basically mocking our government. He goes, we're in so much debt. He goes, I went on Google and looked and checked to see how much the earth cost. Like it's all made up, people. What debt for what? What what like it's 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 a system. It's a machine, so to speak. And so but back to my vaccine point, they want to take your freedom away now to what you put in your body, where you're moving, what you're doing, um, your day to day like traces. That's what they want to do. After the vaccine, it's gonna be everyone has to get chipped. And, and here's what's about to happen. Um so and it already has started happening. So Although they're not technically yet mandating that you have to get a vaccine. Well, that's because they can't yet. They can't yet. But here's what is happening. They're starting to create, society is going to start to create these ripple effects where you can't engage in society without it. Just last week, Ticketmaster comes out and says, everybody that attends our, that buys tickets to attend our events coming up will have to prove that they've been vaccinated once it's been it's released. A, it's a, it's or a, you won't be able to attend the event. Yeah, it's like a proof of certificate that shows... Yeah, it's a that digital they, vaccine ID. ...that you've been vaccinated, but... So think about the ripple effect. Maybe when you travel. Maybe when you go to a restaurant. Maybe it's, when it's you go to maybe. school. That's what the Archbishop said in the letter that I exactly. just read. So it'll, although they won't mandate you to have it, they'll put you in a situation where you can't do anything without it. Correct. And that's what he was trying to say. He's like, they're going to come out and make you make you subdue to this they're going to force you to do this because they'll take away your property rights they'll take away your paycheck they'll they'll tax you higher they'll do random things like that to you where you're just gonna have to get vaccinated but here's the thing all these pharmaceutical companies and the who and the cdc there's a name that keeps funneling up and out constantly that i keep hearing about and it's our wonderful tech amazing genius man bill gates and his wife, Melinda, who I think are the devil. Um, tell me this. How does a tech guy get into the health industry? He's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. Well, he did it through. And this is the very common thing you'll see from um, people that reach that level is they will get into other industries where they can stand to have extreme profit and they do it through a nonprofit foundation mechanism. So instead of directly going into the medical field, they'll create a found for this is what happened with there as an example. They created the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation a long time ago, right? And then they donate all this money from the wealth they've created throughout their lifetime in technology into the Bill and Melinda Foundation. And then through the nonprofit arm, it's this do good arm. And so they say we're gonna start testing vaccines and all these things around the world. What they don't talk about when they actually start doing that, they partner with doctors and scientists and all these things to bring in. They don't talk about the millions of people they've killed doing that so if you guys google all the lawsuits on him right now which every businessman is dealing with some sort of lawsuits probably tons and tons of them this is common however his you have countries and arms of government suing him 
that's not normal. You have Africa, you have South Africa, you have India, you have also, he's, I think he's banned in the UK. You have all sorts of countries suing Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. But just this week, Melinda Gates donated $70 million to their nonprofit organization. And something about that title just irked me right, right off the bat. So I started reading into it. And I think the word donation is incorrect. And I think I came running to you like, look what they're doing. Um, it's not a donation. They're not donating money. That's, again, a public perception, a persona that they want you to believe that they are taking all of their money and all of their wealth and because they're known for donating money, right? They're not donating it. They are investing it because they're going to get a huge return on that investment. It's not a donation like the media puts it out to be because he owns the media too. So, and he's, and her reasoning for donate, donating, quote unquote, for 70 million was because she doesn't want any child in the entire world, no matter what corner of the world he or she lives in or what their socioeconomic status is, she wants every child to have access to this vaccine. Really, Melinda? You have that much of a love for humanity? You care that much? Do you know how many people, people they've killed? Google it. How many people have gotten like terminally sick? How many people have deformations because of their vaccines and their testing that they've done? That's not, and, and the reason I bring this up is because it infuriates me when I see people on Facebook going back and forth. I saw this one post recently, and I'm not going to name him because I know him. Um, he goes on there and he goes, it's so sad to see that we live in a world where you have good people like Bill and Melinda Gates donating for the betterment of our humanity, yet people you know, come up with all these conspiracy theories to like knock them down and make it seem like they're just hurting and killing people. It's science. It's facts. You can't like it's there. And every time they're they're asked about it, they they don't even answer the question. They don't even deny it half the time. Like, did you ever watch an interview where Bill and Melinda Gates were like pinpointed, like squared in a corner and asked like a serious question? They completely dodge it. These people are not honest people. And so this is where my thing comes from is that whether you're one way or another, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to dehumanize you because you have an opinion different than ours that's okay i'm just trying to bring out what i'm finding and what i'm seeing you know that's the whole point of this podcast and in my opinion um this election is way more than just america this election is way means much more than just um blue and red okay or democratic and republican or the covid or Black Lives Matter or social injustices or criminal justice reform. It's way beyond that. And what the media has done is just taint us to make us believe in these smaller issues. And by smaller, I'm not saying that they're less important. I'm saying that they took them and blew them out of proportion to mess with us, basically. And uh, I don't know. That's just not okay with me. But it's funny because Brian said, well, where do you think we're going to move if they like start to force vaccinations on us? The thing is, I feel like this is happening in the entire world. Um, I I can't speak to that. I don't know. I just know that some countries are more lackadaisical in their laws and their reinforcement of things. And America is very strict and regimented in their way. Um, and that's for good and bad, in my opinion, again. But um, countries like India have half the people who think like this, but then have half the people who are extremely into holistic healing and Ayurveda and just believe the human body is, you know, like Wim Hof, like it can heal itself. It can be armed and things can be prevented. 
And so they have that balance in that country where even if you had a leader who said, I'm going to mandate vaccinations for everybody, then you have like 50 other people who are just as much as powerful as the leader is who can stand up and say, absolutely not, because this is how you can prevent yourself. And again, America is a small country. It's kind of easy to control us if we really want it to be controlled. India's got billions of people. You cannot control it. Um, but I will say the control that's happening right now is happening on a global scale. That's it's, what I'm trying to say. It's not just America. That's what I'm trying to say. So can it be mandated in all countries? Yeah, but it depends on the country. I don't think that it will be as strict in countries like India. You can probably get away with not getting it. That's what I'm saying. They'll have underground proof of vaccination certificates that are like forged and made just like they have fake driver's licenses these days like things will pop up where people will try to get around these things for sure but um it it just boggles my mind that all these things are going on and there's people in power like the archbishop who are flat out saying this is a problem like wake up and look at the bigger picture on what's going on here and people just want to say conspiracy theory and just like look the other way when that's not true that's it's not true you have to be able to Look at both sides of the story and look at both things. The other thing I want to talk about was um, these random lockdowns this week that are happening. I know Chicago's in lockdown. I know the UK has been in lockdown for almost two weeks now. St. Louis was supposed to be, but they kind of came out with, um, on Thanksgiving, you have to keep it to 10 people or less, and we advise wearing masks. You've got to be kidding me. While you eat your food. Got to be kidding me. I mean, come on. So it's just, this is all just a part of it, you know? Trump's not saying that. These are just independent media news forums and independent governments around our states that are coming out and saying this because of the Biden election. And that's what he stood for. So they're trying to program you into be prepared. This is what's happening next year. You know, Um, I wanted to talk about Bill Mayer. This this goes with our media point that we were making Mm -hmm. that the media just portrays things and puts up stories that they want you to believe in they want you to be fearful of and manipulate you and elicit an emotional reaction for their benefit mm-hmm. that was all you yeah so i was watching uh i forget if it was his show or what show he was on i think it was his show and he i feel like bill mayer usually leans pretty hard on the like libertarian to democratic side of stuff usually and he uh is pretty public about that but what's so fascinating is he went on the other day and was talking basically about all the stuff that Nina and I have been talking about and was very public about it and was being like, even with me leaning on this side, I'm completely disgusted with our Democratic Party and how sensitive we are. And every time somebody says something wrong, they got to go out and make a public statement and all of the issues that have arisen during the since the COVID stuff started that... Um, He's like, it's just ridiculous. And then he started placing all these examples up there with different things. And um, it was he was spot on. I, I highly encourage people to go check it out. But it was everything from like, um, you know, stuff going on with the pandemic to everything with the Black Lives Matter movement to um, things like uh, transgender issues and things of that nature. And he was going through just showing these use cases of different people that have talked about this that are celebrities in the media and how the Democratic Party has came down on them so hard for different things that they've said, just from just for expressing an opinion, and then like making them go and like highlighting them in the media to the point where their press team has to go out and say, "You have to make a public apology about this now." Right? Like uh, one of the examples that he used was 
um, the uh, former actor, I guess current actor, TV show host Mario Lopez was on some podcast, and he was talking. And the podcast person started talking about, "Do you think that parents should be making a determination for children who are two and three years old about if that if that child is having gender identity issues?" And Mario Lopez goes, "I." It was like the most like political thing to say and very basic. And he was just like, I just don't see how a child can have a gender identity issue at two to three years old and have the parent make a determination on that. Like the child is in such an infantile state still. And uh, Bill Mayer was coming out laughing and he goes, they made Mario Lopez come and give a public press apology for that statement for saying that I don't think parents should make a determination when a child is two to three years old on that. Because, you know, how can you even tell at that point, right? And Bill Mayer goes, how in the world can a child have a gender identity issue when he can, when he's walking around and can barely formulate a sentence saying, choo-choo, playing with trains? <laughs> and uh, it was just different things like that that he was laying out, showing all these people that have been put in the crosshairs over the last couple years. And it's largely from the uh, Democratic Party and the left side of things that have came out and said that, and Bill Mayer was like, I can't believe we've reached this point in society where everyone has to walk on eggshells with everything they think because people have become so sensitive to these different things and and the examples and use cases that he used was just it was just interesting to see because it was just very basic things that then caused a huge uproar within these people's lives for making statements that were like interpreted the wrong way two points i think it's beyond sensitivity i think it's just a way of dehumanizing people who don't agree with the masses so if the media the media controls the masses so whatever the media is saying or whatever your political leaders are saying if you and i don't agree with it we there are people waiting to like latch on to us and just ridicule us and shame us in front of everybody so that people could see when you don't obey us and you don't agree with us we're gonna hate you we're not gonna like you we're gonna put you down that's what it's all about we're gonna call you a conspiracy theorist so naturally i mean when you're on the playground and you're five years old and you know you're doing something else and your friends are doing something else and they start making fun of you for it what is your natural inclination to stop what you're doing and follow the crowd so that you're not made fun of. That's the com- that's that's normal. That's the same theory that's working here. So we're dehumanizing people from for branching out away from the sheep. If you have the sheep being all of us and one of us veers towards the left and kind of does our own thing or has our own opinion or comes out with facts, immediately all the sheep and the one controlling them looks at you and says, Oh my God, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're sensitive, this and that. Like they start blasting and, you. And what happens when somebody does that? This happened to Dave Chappelle. Because when they want to a- scare you from voicing your opinion and trying well, to... Well, I think that's part of it. I think the large... So scaring is one thing, but this happened to Dave Chappelle and he put it really well because when he went off to Africa because yeah. everything that happened, yep, he was getting so example. controlled by the media mm-hmm. industry. He was uh, talking about this on Oprah in a show that I watched and he said, the worst thing you can call somebody in a situation like this is crazy because it's dismissive. And immediately when you paint the perception that this person's crazy, it then makes other people have the same perception, whether they know them or not or know what happened behind the scenes. And so they just dismiss it and they pay it no thought. Kanye is another example. They call him crazy. And what you just said uh, is actually, there's a really good quote that I always remember from the movie The Matrix. And Morpheus goes, you have to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so ignored, so helplessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. As long as the matrix exists, the human race will never be free. And I think exactly what you just said aligns perfectly with that. Like 
people are so inured and helplessly dependent on this system that's been created and the perception of it placed in the media that they will fight to defend it because they aren't aware enough to understand it's wrong. They think they need that check for COVID in the next six weeks because I think there's another plan coming out. They think they need health insurance. Even a very healthy person is forced to believe that he or she needs to pay for health insurance every single year, month by month, because they could potentially get in an accident and then what? The system is set up that way. The system is set in a way where it could cost you $25,000 to $100,000 to fix your leg or your heart or something if you were to get an accident and puncture something. Is that a government that loves you, that's trying to protect you and keep you safe and help you thrive and flourish? Or is that a government that's trying to keep you controlled so that you never have as much money as them, you know, so that you don't have the freedom and the time to go look at what they're doing? It's all done to keep the focus off of them and the focus so minuscule into your own life where you're just bombarded with responsibilities and you can't just you can't even climb out of it no matter how much you try so when any kind of disruption comes any kind of attack on the government comes you freak out and run to protect it because you think the government's your mom or your dad and you can't live without them that's the issue here it's an issue of and i don't want to make a we're not trying to make an overarching statement that like the checks that you said there's a lot of businesses that went out. People needed that. Some people needed that money, right? Absolutely. They needed to survive and they ran out of money and then they were going to food banks and stuff. That's a real issue because of what has happened throughout the pandemic. Okay. I think the overarching issue is they're, they're a creation of dependency and the ongoing conditioning. It's just of an example con- of, of the dependency. dependency. Exactly. exactly. Just like our food stamps and welfare. Do you think those people don't need it? 100% they need it. The need is not the issue. I'm saying who created that need? Who created the system that created that need and that dependency? It was our government who did all that. And that's where I have an issue. There's another post that I want to read just based on what Brian said about the media. These people are magicians, meaning the the media. They know that human consciousness co-creates reality based on what the mind believes to be true and real, a.k.a. the media. You had someone say to Mario Lopez about these kids having these sexual orientation issues at like, what, two and three years old? You and I... And probably every doctor in the world knows that that's not true. The kids cannot form that sexual orientation at that age. However, you have the leaders and the Democrat, not any kind of party, and the media outlets making up this issue, funneling it into the media, which then goes into the human consciousness, into your brain, my brain, and everybody else's brain, and gets them spinning. And you know, some people hate it because they hate gays and, and lesbians and bisexuals. And some people are like, oh my God, this is a problem. My kid has a problem. Or, you know, they sway one way or another, right? It it creates a false problem, basically, a false issue. And I also think that it's important that we don't try to highlight this as just one side because it happens on any, in my opinion, any side, depending on what you fall on. But I just said that. Like, it's both sides. You have people who freak out and say, my kid could be one way or another. And then you have other people getting angry about it, who are against it, and will do anything they can to not let their kid grow up the way that that kid wants is or wants to become, right? That freedom. You have both sides. But all they did was create a false problem and then create two opposing sides to it. That's what they do. That's what the media does. I see what you're saying. That's not where I was going. I was going with like a Republican versus a Democrat kind of a concept, saying that even on the Democrat side, while all this is happening and we're talking like as Biden wins the election and all these things are happening, like 
this happens a lot on the Republican side, too, from a media perspective, Agreed. right? Like, look at when George Bush was in office and then all of the 9-11 stuff happened and mm-hmm. that's all you heard about and they're funneling fear and terror and terror and terror and there wasn't a, a single speech that was given that whole year when, it, when the word terror and fear and all this stuff was implemented into it. So it's like it conditions on both sides. And so when I look at this, it's not a... I don't look at it as a government issue per se. I think the government is more the front people that's putting these plans into motion. I look at it as a much bigger issue for the ultra elite that are actually controlling much of our macro population and the very, very small amount of families that control that. Yeah, and I'm not talking about like Elon Musk and all them. That They're not in this. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it goes way higher it's than that. It's way beyond. They're, these are the people that we don't even know of. Okay, yeah. we don't know their names. Like the people you could read into that I think are more well known in this space would be the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Duponts, some of these families that have such massive amounts of generational wealth and control. And it's for my research, it's about thirty to forty families around the world that have the highest levels of control at the top of the pyramid. And they're the ones that have the control on the media side, on the private and commercial side. Um, and basically they well, it's a, it's a pretty common thing you can actually read about called the Bilderberger Group, that they have these meetings once or, once or twice a year in hidden locations that um, make policy and commercial decisions on how the next 12 to 24 to 5 years are going to play out. And then they put plans in motion to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but this is this stuff just gets me so worked up. Like, oh my gosh. Avi. Yeah. I didn't even finish my post. So these people are magicians. They know that human consciousness co-creates reality based on what the mind believes to be true and real. This process is amplified when instilled in the crowd consciousness media. They are projecting what they want into your mind so you build it for them. So this goes to my point. I'm not saying that there's not people in need. I'm not saying that there isn't uh, prejudice out there and racial injustice. That's not what I'm saying at all. So please don't think that. I'm saying that things are amplified and manipulated to the nth degree in the media to make you think that this problem is bigger than it is. And I go back to saying what I said last week, I believe in the inherent good of people. I don't believe everything I see on CNN or Fox News. They they weren't there when the riots happened. They aren't there when crimes happen. They don't know what happened. So how can we just take them at face value and believe them? You and I weren't even there. So I believe in the inherent good of people, and I think that there is more good amongst all of us than our leaders and our government and our media outlets led us to believe. Um, when the elections were happening, I kept seeing this word flash across when I, we would like stream it here and there. Uh, election anxiety is real. Okay, well now you have everybody going through anxiety. like the because, Here's why it's real. Because they tell you that it is and you form a perception. My point. Let me read one thing real quick. So I'm going to read something and then I'm going to see if you can guess what it is that I'm reading. Okay. All right. Um, Physiological effects have been observed in a human subject in response to stimulation of the skin with weak electromagnetic fields that are pulsed with certain frequencies near half a hertz to 2.4 hertz, such as to excite a sensory resonance. Many computer monitors and TV tubes, when displaying pulsed images, emit pulsed electromagnetic fields of sufficient amplitude to cause such excitation. It is therefore possible to manipulate the nervous system of a subject by pulsing images displayed on a nearby computer monitor or TV set. For the latter, the image pulsing may be embedded in the program material, or it may be overlaid by modulating a video stream, either as an RF signal or as a video signal. 
The image displayed on a computer monitor may be pulsed effectively by a simple computer program. For certain monitors, pulsed electromagnetic fields capable of exciting sensory resonances in nearby subjects may be generated even as the displayed images are pulsed with subliminal intensity. Take a guess at what that is. I feel like I saw this in a documentary. You may have. I, I mean, it's been talked about in things we've said before. What I just read you was the opening paragraph abstract for the patents of, of televisions, yeah, <laughs> which applies to mobile devices because yeah. we're looking at a screen. Basically, in in short, what I just told you is that TVs, mobile devices, computer screens, any type of monitor that you look at that has images through, can actually manipulate your central nervous system by pulsating electromagnetic fields from the what's coming from a resonance from the actual device that can change your perception. And how do they do that? They can do it intentionally by repeatedly telling you fear, fear, COVID, pandemic over, over and over and over and over again until you believe that it's true. And it actually not only changes your perception at a nervous system level from the electromagnetic fields, it can then rewire how you think about something. There's a reason why they call it a program. A TV program is what everything used to be called back in the day because it can literally program your mind. And if you go in and read the patents on mobile devices, computer monitors, TV monitors, any kind of monitor, it literally says in there, I just read that word for word off of Google patents, it can manipulate your central nervous system through electromagnetic fields by intentionally or subliminally controlling what you're seeing. Yeah. And everything. And for are- people that aren't aware of what subliminally con- controlling is, that's when they will like throw certain things in there that aren't directly apparent to your conscious mind, but it's actually rewiring your subconscious mind. So it's big. It's heavily used in marketing too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, all your like FedEx, UPS, McDonald's, all these big ass companies. They all have um, subliminal messaging in their titles and whatnot. Like FedEx, if you notice, bet most of you don't know this, between the word FedEx, there's an arrow. Mm-hmm. And you can barely see it. Well, you actually when, have to look at it. When you start to, be, when you start to study, because I've done this before, you start to study symbolism mm-hmm. in major brands, in logos, and things from a marketing perspective, there is a certain group of symbols that are consistently used in different ways and turned and moved and manipulated so that you can't visually see it with your conscious mind. But when it continues to hit your head over and over again from a visual perspective, your subconscious mind starts to recognize it and programming it. And it's these very ancient symbols, things like pyramids, the eye of Horus, all these different kinds of ancient symbols that are placed in these different designs but sometimes it can be very like you would never recognize like there's stuff that i've seen my whole life and then when i see somebody deconstruct the symbolism in it it's like holy cow you're right i I, you would never see that until someone breaks it down and highlights it for you but then once you see it it's clear as day yeah it's a cold world it's a cold world out there (laughs) better get a parka um that's all we have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed that. I think we just threw a ton of information out there. Yeah, kind go, of based on the same, it's the same stuff we've been talking about last week. But here, Here's an interesting thing too. Go out and research this stuff. But when you research, don't just use Google. Use oh, Bing. Yeah. Use other things. Here's the reason for that. Every search engine provides different information and content and censors stuff that they don't approve and put on there. So you could search for something on Google and search for the same thing on Bing or another, you know, or DuckDuckGo is one that I actually like because, or Brave, that's another one too. Like these different things out there because they will feed you different information and censor stuff they don't want you to see. And so with all these different platforms that exist, it can give you an opportunity to 
you know, get a more well-rounded, holistic view of what it is you're trying to find. Agreed. How about you share the book that you're listening to right now? Yeah, for sure. The book I'm currently listening to is, it's called The Way of the White Clouds. It's really fascinating. It's about this guy that went and basically learned uh, Tibetan or Buddhism through and like lived in Tibet and um, this is a long time ago. I forget the exact timeline. It was probably like late 1800s, early 1900s. But he um, began to meet these different like Tibetan monks and people that were living deep in the Himalayas and understand like their lifestyle and what they do. And they started and he learned from them. They have like these remarkable powers that we would consider supernatural um, healing properties and uh, levitation and all these different things that he's seen them do. Um, and he basically starts to tap into how we are basically living in this giant electromagnetic grid. And if you operate your body the right way by how you live your life and the things you consume, or eat or visually through books and media and, um, you know, making sure the oxygen and blood flow within your body is going through the right way, then you can actually develop these supernatural abilities. It's pretty interesting. What was it called again? The Way of the White Clouds. Oh, um, I'm going to leave you guys with a story on illusion for a second. I read this story. It's actually in Hindi, so I'm going to try to translate from my memory as much as I can. Um, and <laughs> I'm trying thinking. to help Nina out so she doesn't get this, this uh, eyelash that just Symbolisms fell Symbolisms at me, and I'm there like trying to talk at the same time, whatever. Um, <laughs> kind of goes based on like what we're doing and just how illusory our world is, and, and, and we believe it to be true. Um, out of fear but there was this guy who um, and I might be morphing the story a little bit but there was this guy who had some goats and he (laughs) decides to sounds like the goat yeah I know he decides to just kind of play a prank on his village and he he kind of numbers these goats as one two and four and then lets them go and then he runs into his village and goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm missing a goat. I'm missing a goat. And everyone's like running around looking for these goats. He's like, I marked them. I marked them one, two, three, and four, even though he only had one, two, and four. And so you have this whole village. Like they found the number one goat that was marked one. They found the goat that's marked number two. They found the goat that's marked number four. And it caused all this chaos and upheaval for weeks on end. And everyone's thinking that they really have lost goat number three. But all the moral of the story is, and he's laughing about it, is that there was no goat number three just marking goats one, two, and four, and then telling people he can't find them, and they find one, two, and four, and they assume that number three is out there missing. See how the mind plays tricks on See how, and he had an entire village, just an uproar and chaos, believing that there is a third goat missing. The moral of the story is illusion. We cannot feed blindly into what we're fed. We have to question everything, which is... And I think there's two parts to that. We say that like a hundred times. One is we can't listen blindly and agree with what we're fed. Yeah. And another is you can't also listen blindly to your own mind and what it creates. Oh, totally. Because Because you, you could listen to something and then all of a sudden your mind starts racing and you start creating realities that could be... And significantly false you or completely false. A, a, the great example is with me. These past eight months, I've been going through all these health issues. And I kid you not, like one day I'll have one symptom and I'll go down a rabbit hole and then I'll have another symptom. And then like, it's like my knee hurts. My knee has nothing to do with anything going on in my body. And it's like, I haven't worked out. Like, why is this happening? And I go down like this rabbit hole and then Brian's like, like, maybe uh, you just turned wrong. He's like, he's like, Brian, according to this, I'm going to grow a leg out of the side of my ear in two weeks. <laughs> no, no, no. But the point is like, I've learned the hard way that like, 
I can't even sit here and believe my own mind sometimes because we don't know. We are not elevated or enlightened or practiced enough yet, you know, by we, I mean all of us, that we can just blindly just let go and let our mind go. Although I think, you know, saints and sadhus and all these people, they are pretty well into that. We have yet to practice these things because subconsciously I'm still dealing with fear around my body. I'm still dealing with fear of what's going on. So I have to know and have to be aware enough or have to be surrounded by people who are strong enough to snap me out of it and be like, yes, Brian, it's you. (laughs) Nux, To say like, hey, relax, like calm down. It's nothing, you know, like you don't know it could be gone in a week. So it's probably unrelated. So he's right. We can't even listen to our own minds and let it go rampant because you're probably reacting to something you saw or heard on the news or something your mom said or something your, you know, your uncle said at the last family dinner, like with politics or something or anything for that matter. So and, there, a, and that's what's interesting about the media too. There's a fundamental change in your biochemistry when you're in a fear-based state or anger or, you know, these lower emotions it changes you and allows you to be manipulated more. It also puts you in a state where you're more susceptible to get sick because it actually lowers your immune system. So when you're th- when you're seeing all this stuff on the news and it's constant chaos, which is all our news is anymore, it's constant chaos. And when you pay attention to that and you let it get the best of you, you're actually putting yourself in a state where you're more susceptible to get sick, where you're more susceptible to fire back at people. Like it Wim changes Hoff- your biochemistry. Like Wim Hof says, fear interferes with your health so that's a good way to put it yeah anytime you're getting scared about something or worked up about something whether it's an outside issue a health issue a money issue relationship issue politics whatever it is just remember that when you're scared or when you're freaking out about something you're directly affecting your health at the in that very moment in that second the amount of stress that's pumping through your body and and like the the blood goes acidic, like the alkalinity goes out, the oxygen depletes, and that's how you get sick. That's how things happen to you. Um, you're directly affecting that. So we have to eliminate fear, and we have to realize that there is nothing to fear out there. And that's a work a, in progress. A great acronym for fear that I always think about is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Fear. That's a good way to look at it too. Like and and I understand that having the awareness in that moment of when you're going down the fear rabbit hole is very difficult. And I think depending on the situation, a lot of times um, one of the best things you can do when you're in a fearful state is take action towards something. And I know that depends on what the fear is about. Because if you're otherwise, your mind begins to race, and all of a sudden you're creating this false evidence that's appearing real. But when you take an action step towards something, that begins to dissolve. You know what, though? You're right. Take action towards something because that kind of that disrupts the little flow. You're in a flow of fear and you're going down a rabbit hole. So when you take action, you kind of disrupt that and cut it. And you just cut it right there, which is a really good way to look at. But when you can't take action, like I've been in a position where I've been forced to wait things out. um, And I'm not good at patience still and I'm, I'm not good at surrendering. But what I have learned is you can take action to do something else to distract your mind. So instead of sitting on the couch or sitting upstairs or trying to meditate on it, go watch TV, go read a book, go shopping, go online shopping, get a massage, do activities around the house, keep yourself busy, organize, clean, keep yourself physically busy and eventually you'll see that your mind has stopped that flow and you're not repeating it and like, you know, freaking yourself out. So even though you might not be able to make action towards that thing, you can go do something else. And Absolutely. distract it. And then like when you're, when, you know, atten- what is it called? Energy goes where attention goes or something like that? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Nina. Um, 
energy flows where attention goes. Yeah. So yeah. when you're not giving that fearful thing anymore energy because your attention is on painting or reading a book, that already starts to lose its power. Yeah. And if done for yeah. long enough times... But when you do stay in a fear state, it amplifies it. Correct. Right? So that's why they say when you look away from things, that's why within six months people's like, you know, their tumors are gone or... You know, they won the lottery because they weren't focused on the lack and all the bills stacking up. Sometimes taking your attention off of it can fix it. I'll give you an interesting example. There's this uh, doctor. He's no longer alive, but his name's Dr. Max Gerson. And he was a remarkable doctor when it came to healing people of cancer and different types of illnesses like that were terminal for people. And what he learned was when you take somebody out of their traditional environment with the traditional stresses... And uh, the, the three things he did was he took them out of their normal environment. He put them on an all raw juice uh, diet for just a period of time when they were trying to reset their immune system. But they would drink a ton of juice every day. I mean, it was like 10, 10 gallons of juice or something of these different types of fruits and vegetables. And then they, uh, the other thing what he did, he, he would make people do coffee en- enemas, actually, which sounds kind of gross, but basically it's, it would stimulate them to allow them to uh, let these juices pass through their body faster and really cleanse and, and detoxify their system. And he had a remarkable track record for healing people 100%. The doctor said you had terminal illnesses and you only had so long to live. And they opened a facility that's still in existence today. It's called the Gerson Treatment Center. And I want to say it's in Mexico City. But they bring people down to Mexico. They feed them all the stuff. They're in the sunlight. They're you know away from all their stresses. And they have a remarkable success rate. I want to say when he first did the experiment, if I'm remembering his research correctly, when he was first trying to prove this model worked, he had 500 people that were terminally ill. And I think uh, 498 of them survived or something like that. And um, so just just a remarkable track record with with his treatment. But a lot of it has to do with taking their mind out of the environment they were in that caused these stresses and these things where although they were sick, then they still have all these stresses going on, right? Like putting them in an area close to nature where the weather's good and um, giving them these juices and giving them these coffee things they're doing. And then over time, your immune system resets itself and it cleanses yourself on a cellular level and heals you. That's very similar to what can happen. Like, why do you think if, if anybody goes on a trip to a beach and you're there for a couple days, all of a sudden you just feel incredibly relaxed. You've disconnected from the environment, from the stressors that were on you before. And so if you think about that, if you catch yourself getting stressed out or fearful with all the crazy stuff going on in the world right now, figure out a way, whether it's just a walk in the park or you disconnect from you, you turn your cell phone off and computer off and uh, everything off for two, two days and just like, do a digital detox and see how refreshed you are when you come back. You begin to learn how all the stuff affects you. I have said several times to Brian since March and all my health issues started in April that I would do anything to leave this country for like six months. And I know that I will get better. Yeah, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would have put you we somewhere. Would have, we would have been out of here. Much better climate. Yeah, 100%. You would, have, you would have healed real fast. Yeah, and I would have just like, I would have just, it's not the, it's not a point of I need medical help or this or that or like that. I don't have that fear at all in me. What what bothers me more is that I'm still surrounded by the same stressing situations. And like now it's even more with everything going on. And the same environment, the same house, the same bedrooms, the same kitchen. And it's just like I went to Pennsylvania for about two weeks over the summer and I immediately shifted. Mm-hmm. And then I came back here and it was like back to square one. And so... I do feel like my environment, if I could change this, would help me at least 50% of the way. But I can't do that right now. And so, like I said, sometimes you're forced to 
go with things and you can't take action in the direction that you want to. But I think at that point it becomes a mind game. So all of this, we'll talk on another episode. I think my stuff is more related to the mind. I think I'm being taught how to literally depend and focus and use my mind to my power mm-hmm. for my benefit. It's not about anything else really. Yeah, that makes sense. Guys, that's all we have for today. I yeah, hope thanks you for joining it. us. I hope you enjoyed it. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think and any new ideas or topics that you want us to better flesh out that we talked about today or new things that you want us to cover. Drop us a note and let us know. Thanks for joining us.